Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey, and today we have Rosie Tarbuck with us. So Rosie is a bikini confessor, ex-figure confessor, and her job is very, very interesting, especially in the current climate. So we're not going to talk all COVID, but we will cover some sections. Just because I actually don't know anyone, I was thinking about this, I don't know anyone apart from yourself and Steph and Hannah Butler that work in the NHS. Like literally you're the only like exposure I've personally had. Um, so we're gonna talk a little bit about her competing history. Um, obviously COVID, what's going on there. We're gonna talk dogs. We're gonna probably talk about other stuff as well. So welcome babe to the podcast. Firstly, how are you? And have you, I don't know, are you, are you starting work later on today? Or is it a day off today? Yeah, yeah. So hello everyone. Um, I'm Rosie. I am a doctor working in Glasgow and I'm also a bikini girl. Um, I am working today, I'm working 2 till 10 today, so I've had a nice chilled morning, been a big run in, well, you know, within my hour limit of outdoor activity, um, and I've just trained because last night I managed to get a barbell and plates and some actual heavy dumbbells, so I'm very happy and very sore. <laughs> Mad how resourceful you can become, it's like, right, what, like, old dad has got some dumbbells in their attic that haven't been used? Like we found Joe's dad's got some like right sorted. Like we've just been slowly like recruit like accruing loads of like random weights. We're getting there. We're getting there now. You literally like you turn your house into like an adult playground. <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> Talk to us about your job. You've been doing it for quite, not like quite a long time because you're not old, but you know what I mean. Like this ain't your first rodeo. So talk to us about how long um, you've been in your job. Um, and potentially has your job, with everything going on, has your job role changed at all? Um, or is it kind of yeah. similar to what you are right now? Because I listened to your Instagram live with Steph and that was actually really, really interesting. Because I'm trying to do mm. this thing, I'm not trying to look at too much news, but I was like, hmm, I'm actually going to like listen to people that are in this situation right now. And I thought it was such a good Instagram live, by the way. Um, so well done for that. Oh, thank I think, yeah. So I've been a doctor now for well five years yeah five years and throughout that time I've worked in all different kinds of specialties and jobs at the moment um I'm training to be a GP so in a year's time I'll be a GP but part of that's working in hospital so I was working in A&E from February and then obviously everything started so I think what's changed my role hasn't changed but what has changed is what I'm dealing with yeah. So usually your classic Friday night in A&E is going to be some drunk injuries, some more serious medical conditions like heart attacks and things, um, some kind of minor injuries, so a few things that need stitched up, that kind of thing, and your coughs and colds and, you know, those sort of things that you deal with every day. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a mixed bag, lots of, you see lots and lots of different things. At the moment, and actually we've done it really well in Scotland um, about trying to dissuade people from coming into A&E if they think they can deal with their symptoms at home. Um, so I'm seeing a lot less of the minor injuries and also people aren't going out. So there aren't as many kind of drunken stumbles <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, and what I am seeing more of is people that are really, really sick and have waited for two weeks because they haven't wanted to go to the doctor or haven't been able to see the GP. And obviously then all of the COVID patients. Mm -hmm. But I mean, right now, 
the hospital, even since I've worked there, is completely different. So we split it as you walk into A&E, into COVID and non-COVID. Mm-hmm. And so anyone we think might have symptoms and the symptoms are so broad, mm-hmm. um, go into the COVID stream. And then those that we think probably don't go into the other stream, but there's no way of knowing until, you know, 48 hours after you've tested them. So that's a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, also quite scary than that I can start seeing a patient say someone's come in with a broken arm and then I think actually you've got a bit of temperature and this that and the other maybe I need to put you over to the other side um so everything is taking a bit more time and is a bit more stressful from that point of view but my actual role hasn't changed at all it's just the hours that I'm working and the kind of setup of the department as such so what are your working hours now in comparison to what they were? Are you working more? Are you working less? Um, like, cause I think, yeah. by the way, this might be completely wrong. I'm just going from like my little experience in A&E. Um, so you have like, you maybe potentially work four days and then you have three days off. I might mm-hmm. be completely lying about that, but like, how has your, um, how has it changed for you working hours wise? So, it's basically been like you need to be available to work every day yeah. and you might be called into work at the moment my shifts haven't changed too much um and we've been given we're really lucky we've been given loads of extra doctors so like last night i got to leave an hour early because there were more doctors and patients in the department for the first time ever which is great but i think at the moment it's almost like we're all standing on the beach waiting for the battle to start because it hasn't really hit in the same way it has down south yet. Mm-hmm. So although we've had some really unwell patients and some really sick patients, they've all gone to ITU or they've gone home or they've passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a front door point of view, we're not getting the crowds and crowds of people that we're ready for. Mm-hmm. So it feels quite stressful in a different way. It's quite tense. Mm. Steph, you know, who also trains, described it really well. She's like, that feeling when you've taken a pre-workout and it kicks in and then you're told that you can't train and you're just standing there like shaking, like ready to train, but you can't. It's, it's that kind of feeling. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like, I know, yeah, that was a very good illustration, like visually. I'm like, yeah, I can imagine completely. Um, so it's, <laughs> how has it been? Um, from a lifestyle point of view for yourself has things changed quite a lot have things not changed a lot with your situation um has your priorities as well so obviously before this was going on what were your we'll talk about your competing journey a little bit more after this question but has do you feel like your priorities have kind of been completely flipped are they thrown out the window right now like some people are kind of liking having that goal still it kind of keeps them motivated in the structure, but some people are like, no, like it's gone. I'm not thinking about it. It's just keeping healthy. Well, you know what I mean? But it's just doing basic stuff and then we'll kind of think about competing later on and the goals that you had. Does that make sense? I don't think that did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying. So it's difficult. I mean, because I was like midway through an off season, I had a date to start prep. Um, everything was going really well. Obviously, a lot of my sessions rely on the gym or relied on the gym that I was going to. Um, and I was quite in my routine around my shifts. 
and then this all happened and I'm not gonna lie like I had a couple of nights where I was like I'm having a bottle of wine I don't care like this is all pointless anyway blah 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 like on my own kind of little pity party um and then I was like you know what like we can't compare ourselves to other countries we do not know what's going to happen I just need to wake up every day do my cardio have kind of around the same amount of meals I mean diet wise is quite boring like I eat the same stuff most of the time but I'm having less meals and they're just bigger now because I know that work is going to be more intense in the next couple of weeks and I won't be able to like plan to have six meals so they're the same foods but they're just bigger meals um and my training I basically just wrote it all down looked at what I had and was like I can kind of replicate most of my movements and if I need to add load with bands or time under tension or whatever I can do that so I mean they've started to get better as I got used to it um, but they're not that different either. So really, like, I'm so grateful for work from two point of views. Like, my priority now, as opposed to prep and training as much, is work and making sure that I'm awake, alert, you know, healthy, happy as I can be. <laughs> and, you know, just a good team member at work because everyone is really, really stressed whether that's because they've got financial problems at home or they're trying to like homeschool their kids when they get in for a shift or they've got someone that's done well, you know, you know, like we're all a bit more stressed than normal. So trying to make sure that I can be as less stressed as possible. And also for my partner, I think that's my priority. But part of that for me is sticking to my routine and try as much as I can, because that is what keeps me calm. It's what keeps me healthy. And it also means that, say, all of this clears up and I can compete this year, I'm not, you know, really, really far off from that goal. I'm still in that kind of window that actually that's an option. Yeah. So you talk to us briefly about you first going into competing. So you were a figure athlete, am I I'm correct? Yeah, that's right. So I, like, I kind of fell into competing. Like, I never really had it on on my list of things to do like I was a runner for years and then I got injured so I started doing a bit of kickboxing and MMA and that kind of stuff and that's how I got into a gym and I was just training one day and somebody said to me have you ever thought about competing I was quite a lot bigger just like back then but I did have quite a good amount of muscle and I was like no what's that so I went to see a show and was like this is amazing and I just fell in love with it. And I started off in the NBF figure. And I did that for a few years. Um, I went to three different British championships. And I just, I loved the routine aspect and I loved the way the girls looked. But for me to progress, I was gonna have to get a lot bigger. And I'm tiny, so I'm just five foot. And literally like, I could probably wear size like, age 14 clothes like I'm tiny and I thought you know, for me to actually get to that size then I would have to you know look a lot like a cube in my off season because I'm so short and I'm not really up for that so I went and looked um looked up all the different kind of categories and requirements for a bikini and 
started changing my training with my coach and my nutrition a bit and obviously like mags um so margarita norval helped so much with my posing and all of that kind of stuff because i was so set in my figure ways like anytime i tried to do bikini posing automatically it turned into a figure pose and i was like oh i can't do oh that's my dog oh yeah sorry um, i'm surprised my dog's actually like quiet right now i'll jinx that and it will start going off on one foot you want to say hello oh wants to say hello can you come say hello come on. oh i'm all about the dog come say hi hello listening but we're having a great time i'll edit this bit up but look say hello you say hello hello i know i'll be so confused back to it so yeah so i transitioned into bikini um and last year was my first year with pca so i did train bikini and i just loved it and i don't think i'll ever go back um so that was my plan for this year was to compete later in the year which you never know it might still happen i'm hopeful i think you've got to stay hopeful in this situation because what's the other option you've got to be honest that's mm. what i think about it i'm like well there's even for me there's two routes i can either try and stay positive or i can just stay negative like do you know what I mean? it's, I, that's the way i'm i'm currently seeing it at the moment um so yeah i'm hopeful fingers crossed fingers crossed um, that the shows do like keep going forward. I've seen some people that are kind of sticking to maintenance or like still doing a prep, but not being as, I guess, um, they're being a bit more not like relaxed, but you know what I mean. That they're not doing as harsh as like or anything like that right now. Um, so for you, I know what you mean about figure to bikini and not wanting to go as big, because um, I think that sometimes the people think you've naturally just got to keep wanting to go up and up and up and actually it's not a bad thing if you want to go the other way because at the end of the day you've got to be happy and content with how you look all the time and there might come a point at some yeah you never know that you might stop competing and then once you stop competing like how do you want to look after that as well i think that's really yeah because i've been told that for myself like, oh you should go into figure but i personally as much as i love figure like ria erin like shout out to you girls you look insane that's personally not like I don't see myself as a figure person and even after this like I have a very clear idea of how I want to look as well um, mm -hmm. and especially for yourself being five foot I'm if I'm going a bit more size people usually don't realize how much like weight I've actually gained I'm like yeah I've gained mm -hmm. it it's just I've got five foot ten worth of me just do you know I mean like it can stretch it over um, yeah yeah I know what you mean yeah, that's the thing and you've, you've got to be happy and also I think it's the same across I mean from what I've seen from every federation the girls are just getting bigger and leaner every single year um, and even in the natural federations and that's kind of part of the reason that I went across to PCA as well because there is more of a range of different categories so depending on how you look and how you want to look there's more kind of room to move whereas bmbf was like figure or be a boy like there's not enough there's not a bikini division there half of the i didn't realize i were actually no so uk dfba has bikini mm. but bmbf is just figure or like you know off you go <laughs> so so for me um i loved it as a fed they're lovely people but i wanted to see how different i could look 
Sorry, the dog's going on one. He's seen a cat and he's going crazy. Go to bed. <laughs> no, you're being too noisy. I'd be loving having you at home because Freya yeah. is just the fact that Scott's here all the time now. She absolutely loves it. I keep saying to people though, it's not going to be great when this all goes over because we're going to get some separation anxiety, I think. Already, like already at night, she is like sneaking into the bed, which she doesn't normally do. And she's like, what about me? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not ideal. <laughs> Can you stop distracting me, please? Right, we are back. So <laughs> usually I don't have the dog this like much of a distraction. Sit down. Right, I've got to remember where I was going with this now. Ah, my brain. Right, let's go back to my notes. Good old notes. So for people competing, um, so, so for people in the competing industry right now, what would you say are like the best things that they should be doing? Um, potentially from like immune system point of view, health point of view, all that sort of thing. What sort of things would you say to them? I think, I think it's quite difficult. I've heard some people saying that, you know, dieting is really bad for your immune system, etc. I don't necessarily agree. I think it depends what your start point is. If you're already really, really lean and you're looking to get like absolutely diced, then I don't think that's necessarily a great plan because for me personally, if I've done quite an aggressive prep, I tend to get a cold in the kind of weeks after my show. I'm quite run down. I don't feel great. Yeah. But if you've got body fat and you're in a four or five hundred calorie deficit which isn't hugely aggressive you're managing you sleep you're not that hungry and your activity is probably a bit lower if you're not working just now and you're doing it because you want to feel a bit more confident you want to you know feel a bit more energized I don't think that's inherently a bad thing to diet mm. um so I think it's, I wouldn't do anything massively extreme just now. I think because we're limited on, well, a lot of us are limited on gym equipment. Some of us might be limited on, you know, food or certain food sources. If your coach is like, you need to have this exact meal and you struggle to get that, that's going to make you even more stressed out. So I think it's kind of whatever works for you. I think if you are planning to compete, at, towards the end of the year and this was going to be your off season it's maybe not quite as difficult for you because you can quite easily put yourself in a surplus mm. and you know adds intensity through band work time under tension there's loads of great ideas out there like I'm no coach but you know I find Instagram great to get some kind of tips on how I can add cables and cuffs and all kinds to my different lifts um I think if you're wanting to diet, I don't see a problem with that. If you're realistic about your expectations. So, I mean, if you're not sticking to exactly the same food sources, your weight's going to fluctuate a bit more, isn't it? Um, your, your training won't be as intense and you might see results a bit more slowly. And I don't think there's a problem with either of them. And if you want to stay in that maintenance phase and you're happy with how you are, that's also fine. Um, and I think we're lucky in the UK, like, I don't know how you found it, but when I've gone to get, you know, groceries and things, there's most stuff that I need there. I can get my basics. And if I need to get something on Amazon, maybe it's a couple of days late, but it's, you know, we can get most things that we need. We can still get outside. It's not like we're in complete lockdown, like in Spain. So I think from that point of view, being really stressed about, you know dieting in the immune system isn't going to be helpful 
I think one thing that I've definitely done though is tried to make sure I'm getting enough micronutrients in. So taking my vitamins, getting enough color in my meals, making sure I've got enough fat in my diet um, and eating a bit less meat, mainly so that there's more left in the supermarket. And I don't need a huge amount of protein, like I'm pretty small, so I can get that from other sources. So I think just being sensible and understanding that there's no such thing as like a perfect quarantine, just like there's no such thing as a perfect prep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you, I find it funny though, with um, in the past, if you didn't follow your meal plan, like 100% if you macroed it, some, some coaches out there would really like go, like give like their clients like a slap in the wrist and all that sort of thing. I'm like, you people that are so stitchy meal plan, people have got to kind of relax a little bit more. And I think that might be a good thing for the industry to kind of, life happens sometimes. Um, yeah. In the world, if you switch something out at this point, like I've been quite lucky. Um, I'm not going Tesco because I kid you not, that was the most, I, that was more stressful than reading the news, right? The security guard, <laughs> right in my face because he was deaf as a bird. And I was like, please step away from me. You are giving me heart palpitations. And then we went in and I just thought, I can't do this. But Aldi, fine. All the stuff that you need, they've got a good system. Sainsbury's, fine. Security guard was lovely. Everything was fine. I'm just like, nah, Tesco is out. Tesco's out. That, that caused me more stress. Yeah. I totally agree. A security guard can make or break it because I've got like a favourite one at Morrison's who, because I go in the NHS hour, this is so sad, but yeah, there's like an hour, I think three times a week that it's just NHS staff, so I go after my shift and it's great, and he gave me a bunch of flowers and it was after a night shift and I just burst into tears and like tried to hug it, he was just like, go home, but... But yeah, like I've, I'm lucky as well. I mean, my coach is really realistic and he knows what work can be like for me. He knows I can't have this meal at this time every single day. And he's taught me enough that I know how to swap out foods. And, you know, I, I qualified with Mac Nutrition, was it last year or the year before? And that was so worthwhile because it puts your mind at ease to kind of understand which food you can swap out and the importance of staying healthy and just being a bit more realistic about you know your body's not gonna suddenly set on fire because you haven't had 100 grams of chicken like you're gonna be okay yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> to be like you're not gonna set on fire it's absolutely fine <laughs> oh so you you morrison's as you go to at the moment you're not going anywhere else shopping food wise Morrison's or Asda I like both of them and they're both quite handy um but Morrison's I find see for like fresh fish and stuff like that and you fruit and veg they're really really good mm. I'm so middle-aged like literally <laughs> but I, I do love them or Lidl I quite like Lidl sometimes I like a Lidl I'm starting to realize like I've the 85 percent dark chocolate at Aldi doesn't oh, taste yeah. good as the 85% dark chocolate at Lidl. I'm just going to put it out there. That's what I've figured out in this quarantine so far. But what lessons do you think, obviously I can imagine the job that you're in anyway, it gives you a lot of perspective. It, I can imagine in some respects it keeps you quite grounded. Has there been mm -hmm. anything during this phase that's kind of, maybe 
you already knew like values wise or lessons wise but is there anything that's kind of stuck out to you during these times yeah i think one thing which is really hard and i still struggle with every shift is that at the moment any patient that comes into hospital has to come alone we can't have any visitors right because infection risk and I had a couple of patients that were about the age of my parents come in and I mean they, they passed away quite sadly and they never got to see their partner um, and it just really hit home that actually I think a lot of us live quite selfish lives and we often don't take the time to phone a family member pop in and see how someone's doing you know, and not just text them, like actually go and see them or phone them and make that contact. And you don't know when actually it's going to be the last time you get to do that. And I think that for me was really quite hard because there's only so much comfort that a doctor who doesn't know you can offer you or a nurse, you know, and it's like they want to be with the person that they love or their family members and that's just that's rubbish like that's been really hard because there's nothing that I can do to make that better mm -hmm. and you know we go to medical school and we train to get people better and at the moment we can't get people better when they get really unwell and we have to make decisions about you know who gets more active treatment and who doesn't get that treatment based on very limited knowledge and mainly just their age and how active they are and things like that and that's again that's just rubbish like that's what's stressful so i just took the tone down we went from nice conversation about little like i think it makes you realize how precious and short life is um and often a lot of the things that we think matter just don't matter even it's interesting when you look i don't know about you when you're looking at like, your finances i've had to do that quite a lot with my current situation and i'm, I'm doing I'm quite lucky, I guess, and I don't I don't spend too mad. But even there's a little few things in there, I was like, don't actually need to spend that money. Don't need to spend that ten pound there or that thirty pound there, and you know, all these little things. I think it kind of it gives you that perspective again. And I, me and my husband have been chatting about this. Um, it's kind of like I guess it's a chance for hopefully a lot of people to kind of press the reset button and look about what's important, what isn't, and then start from the ground up. I hope a lot of people will take that time to start from the ground up um, because yeah it's it, I can't imagine how they must feel when someone isn't able to be with a person that they love you know just before they unfortunately pass away like what's the sort of do you if, do they FaceTime or do they get the chance to kind of chat by there or by a phone call like I guess with, if they struggling to breathe that might be quite hard as well yeah and often they're they're too unwell to kind of know what's going on and I think the scary thing about this kind of, we won't talk about it too much, but about the virus is that somebody can come in looking quite well within four hours time they can really be quite unwell. And there's no factors that we've seen so far that help us accurately predict who's going to get really sick really quickly and who's not going to get really sick. And it's so we can't even kind of call the family and be like, you need to come up and we can let one person in because we don't know what's going to happen in four hours time and often the patient will have left A&E and gone to a different department and be in a ward somewhere else um, so I think I think that's quite quite difficult and also it's it's difficult for people that are sitting at home 
that have maybe people that are unwell in hospital because we're so often so busy that if somebody phones for an update, it's hard for us to give an accurate picture of what's happening. Often the staff member looking after them is doing something else and you know, they're sitting at home with all this time just reading the news and thinking worst case scenarios. And that's so damaging for people's mental health and must make people who are already a little bit anxious, even more anxious. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't read the news at all, except the one update a day. And Thank you. do you think people should be reading the news? I think the only thing that I listen to is the BBC Daily Update and the government website. I read that because I get loads of updates through like work and I get daily briefing and I get my emails and it's like constant. So I don't read like the Guardian, the Daily Mail. I don't go on Facebook at all. Um, and I try and limit my screen time. Like my screen time's actually gone down since this all started, not up, because I know that if I spend 20 minutes scrolling my phone, I feel just so much worse after it. That, and it's difficult for me because I'm seeing it in person, what's actually happening, what people are like looking like when they're really unwell. And then I'm seeing what people are saying about it. And so much of the time I want to be like, that's wrong, that's not really what, happening and I don't want to be the person that's doing that so for me it's important that I take time to separate myself from that so I just just try and get a bit of distance and like me and Scott go on walks with the dog and I've been reading a lot more um and just kind of watching like silly series and stuff like that just to try and take my mind off it but I actually think it would be harder for me to be stuck at home mm. yeah you said that before we started recording why is that I think there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, because obviously I'm trained to help. And if I was at home, it would be because either me or Scott was sick and I'd want to just be in work helping. And also at the moment, because work isn't as busy as we expected it to be, we're expecting it to get worse all the time. Yeah. So whenever I'm up, I'm thinking like, when I, when I go in, it's going to be chaos. You know, when I go in, it's going to be worse. And and all of these thoughts and when I'm actually in work I can be like you know what I got through that shift it wasn't that bad I can do this and I feel much more empowered and I'm part of a team and I'm seeing the reality of it whereas if I was in the house I think it was it's really difficult not to want updates and not to want to keep checking the news and the thing is like there's not that much to be updated on you know there's sick people there's a few more sick people every day and we don't know how long it's going to last yeah and you know if you do all the isolation measures then you're doing the best thing and that's kind of all you need to know but we're constantly people are constantly kind of being like you know what's the update and what's going to happen and the best the best guess is all we've got and so you can sit and write theories about it all day every day but is that helpful it sounds bad it's very true when you think about it that way like even when i think about it, every time i go for an update this it is the same thing it's it's increasing um and it's we don't know when it is going to end i have heard some things that the, the curve is working to some degree but we've still got to see if you think about it if you're getting that same update every single day is it worth looking at it the next day and the next day like i wouldn't it sounds bad i wouldn't be surprised potentially if i stopped looking for the next two days and i look at the news three days later it's probably going to be very very similar 
that I might save myself a bit of anxiety potentially. Yeah, and also like you would save yourself some time and you could look back in those two days and think, right, regardless of the news, this is what I've achieved. This is what like me and my husband have done. This is what I've done for work. This is how I'm feeling. And all of those things are ultimately more important to you just now than looking for updates, aren't they? Because you're going to look back in three months and think, oh, we did some pretty cool stuff when, you know, we weren't at work and, you know, we actually learned this and we did this and everyone was got through it okay. Instead of like, God, I wasted like four hours a day just like sitting on my phone getting depressed. Yeah. That's very true. It's very true. So what? Mm -hmm. Sorry, my dog's like, my dog. (laughs) Is it my husband this time? I don't even know. So what was you going to say, babe? I actually can't remember. It was probably nonsense. (laughs) Um, Has there been, um, have you been really, I guess, I was going to ask possible. I've seen some people donate things to the NHS, which has been really, really nice. Has there been like real acts of kindness in your department? Like what have you seen like on the ground? There's been some amazing stuff. So Grenade, um, who may call the protein bars, sent us like cases and cases of shakes and protein bars and like the little cookies. That's amazing. So if you've tried them, they're amazing. Like they're so good. Um, and we've had like a local fish and chip shop yesterday sent in like 40 fish suppers, mm. which was great. <laughs> uh, Domino's have sent loads of pizza, if you like Domino's. And also like local people have been really kind. So I've got a friend who dropped off loads of toiletries yesterday for the nurses. Cause I mean, it's okay for me. Like I've got, you know, I don't have kids and things, but some of the girls are single mums. And they're trying to work, especially the nurses are working a lot more hours than having to homeschool the kids, try and get to the shops. And it's like basics that if you go that kind of to your big supermarkets are run out, like deodorant and shower gel and stuff that you just need. And if you don't have it, it's just like super annoying. So that was absolutely lovely. And yeah, there's a big sense of community. Um, And it, it is really, really nice. And it does kind of make you think, how lucky we are to have people around us that are working really hard because it's definitely not medical staff that are just doing this you know there's the porters that take my patients around the hospital there's the people that work in x-ray there's the ambulance drivers the bus drivers like everyone is working super hard and everyone's at risk you know like anytime that you see somebody who is positive even if you do have the right PPE like you're at risk and it is scary and then you go home I mean I think the the worst thing for me is coming home every night and thinking that I might be carrying it and then I'm coming home to Scott Mm. and thinking god like if you get sick I would never forgive myself Mm. I think that's that's pretty stressful so yeah people have been really kind and considerate I think um and it, it just is lovely to see there's so much support really random question what do you do when you go home put everything in the wash like do you kind of disinfect yourself I don't know yeah to so like I do like a, like a pre-disinfect at work so I'll take my scrubs off kind of like use dental wipes everywhere then get changed and then go home come in put my scrubs in like a really hot wash and just get straight in the shower and wash everything so I'm washing my hair every day which is a nightmare because I've got extensions and they are all just like saying goodbye luckily my hairdresser just before kind of put them back in 
quite severely because she knew that I would be able to see her for a while. Um, but there are still a few that are just like coming out. But yeah, I basically keep my distance from Scott and leave anything in work, like like my lunch bag and stuff like that, all just stays in work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep my phone when I'm at work in like a little cover so that it's not, you know, lying on a surface. Same with my name badge. All of that stuff, you know, can carry the virus because it can live, mm. can live kind of 72 hours on a, a dry surface. So there are all these extra steps. And I think that's what takes more time and is more stressful than the actual patient load sometimes. Is the plan for you to stay in the A&E department for now? Would you look into kind of move elsewhere? Like where are you going to be sitting potentially for during this sort of period of time? So I don't know, I'm not due to move jobs until August. Well, I'll go back into GP in August anyway. Um, But they're now talking about maybe extending that depending how long it lasts. We're all hoping it won't be past August. But you just can't predict anything just now. Um, And we are lucky in that we have got a lot more doctors now. So hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to go back to GP in August. But we shall just have to see. (laughs) GPs and doctors, is it the people, I remember seeing something about coming out of retirement. Is that the reason why? Or is it people that have shut down like the local GPs and have been brought into the hospital? Yeah, so it's more like a lot of the wards, so all the kind of surgery, like say you were going in for a knee replacement and it had been booked for like two years or a year or whatever, they've cancelled all of those type of procedures and all of the routine stuff has been cancelled. So those wards are now closed and there's doctors available to come from different places. So it's a bit of a kind of mishmash of different ages and specialties and that's kind of getting some some I don't know what's the right word getting used to I guess yeah working with lots of different people that you're not used to working with because we're quite a tight-knit team and suddenly it's like you know I don't know how we all work and that sort of thing but it's nice it is really nice um and it's the same for the nurses a lot of them redeployed to various areas just to give an extra pair of hands Mm -hmm. so it's a big learning experience for all of us I think um yeah (laughs) good one uh, so we'll end it there but hopefully you know how this ends what makes you not just a bikini girl apart from obviously the fantastic job that you do i don't know i think because i've got i've got my finger in too many different pies <laughs> maybe to be not to be just a bikini girl oh i love that so Thank you for coming on, babe. I know you've got to go to work very, very soon. Um, but I hope that has been helpful for all of you and insightful. Do make sure you send Rosie some, you know, positivity her way. But I'm going to leave the links actually to the two other girls that I do know that are currently working in the NHS. Apologies if I have missed anyone out. It's literally you're the only three people that I know. So we've got Steph and we've got Hannah as well. So yeah, thank you so much, babe, for coming on. And we'll see you all in the next episode.